Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday morning broadcast of the Marvin and I Methodist Church Sanctuary Service here in downtown Tyler. My name is Doug Baker, and I'm the senior pastor of this faith community. My prayer for you will be that this morning's message will bless you and encourage you to become the person that Christ has called you to be through Him. Again, welcome. Here's today's message. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Welcome to those that are live streaming with us today, and uh, we have new cameras, so I guess I'm looking better, and, and even with new cameras, and a sabbatical. First of all, I'd like to say a thank you to Jerry Giles, who worked so hard to, as executive pastor, to continue to operate this great church and to go through a pastoral transitions with our new pastors coming and John Wayne's departure and all the things that were happening outside in the annual conference and decisions were happening with judicial council. And Jerry held us together and kept, us kept you informed. And I'll give you an update at the end of the service of what's happening there and the administrative council meets today. But I also want to give thanks to Dr. Mark Donaldson, Dr. Pat Day, who preached for me on two occasions and preached my mother's funeral service. Also, Reverend Charles Anderson and uh, all of our staff who did a phenomenal job uh, in my absence while I was away on sabbatical. Let me just say also to you, the congregation with my mother's passing on June 23rd, you have been such a blessing to Gene and I and to the entire family. From the choir who sang at my mother's memorial service last Saturday, to those who showed up with food to bless the 30 or so people that were in my house as family to, during those days with meals, the cards and the texts and the phone calls and all the gestures of love are greatly appreciated. I love you dearly and I'm so thankful to be a part of this staff at this season and to call you my friends in Christ. For you have been such a blessing to our family during this time. And I love you very much. Let us pray together. Lord, as uh, your word is proclaimed and as our hearts are prepared to share in Holy Communion, we give thanks for the body of Christ, your bride. We can give thanks today that nothing separates us from your great love in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so now as your word is proclaimed, hide me behind the cross and Lord, speak into our hearts this day a word of truth that we might be more in love with you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I've entitled this sermon, Nothing Can Separate Us from the Love of God. Nothing Can Separate Us from Jesus Christ and His love for us. And friends, this, this passage of Scripture from Romans 8 comes from this wonderful chapter of the book of Romans. It's been, as I referred to a moment ago, the Great Eight. And uh, in the words of Douglas Moo, a theologian and writer, this is the inner sanctuary of the cathedral of the Christian faith. John Piper called Romans chapter 8 the greatest chapter in the Bible. And William Tyndale, 
who died as a martyr for putting the Word of God into English so that the people could understand it and read it for themselves, said this about Romans 8, it is the most excellent part of the New Testament. Friends, we are in some very special territory, and if you're taking notes on the back of your bulletin, I just want to encourage you today to read chapter 8 of Romans, and you'll see that it is a very special book. Paul has a series of rhetorical questions that he works his way through giving responses to. Our last question is the one at the very end, but let me share with you a few of the other ones. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And his response to that rhetorical question is, friends, look and see what God has done for us through the death of his only son, Jesus Christ. Is there anything else that could more profoundly express how much God is for you? God is for us. The second question he asks, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Who could bring a charge against God's elect? It is Jesus who has died for us. He justifies us. No one can bring a charge against us. And who is it that can condemn? Jesus who died and who has risen is interceding at this moment on behalf of you and me to the Father. Standing there interceding with his own blood and his own love for us, pledging that we are his. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are his people. And what great news is that for us? God is for you. God forgives you. God intercedes on your behalf to the Father. And if that wasn't enough, comes this last question. Who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? And then he begins to think about those ideas and begins to express them and pin them down, things that we might think that could keep us away from God. And just in case your mind is beginning to run, he says in the scripture, can trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, nakedness, danger, sword, and we might find ourselves reflecting upon those words, at least I did as I studied this passage, Friends, I can relate with trouble. I've had some trouble in my life, some I brought upon myself, some brought upon by being a follower of Christ, but I've also known hardship, as many of you in this room have known hardship, and certainly the past several months with my care for my mother were months of hardship, but also great privilege. But we know what it means to lose people that we love. We know that it means to lose relationships that are important to us. We know what it means to go through difficult seasons in our lives. We know hardship, but can that keep us away from God? To be honest, I don't know persecution like the Apostle Paul. I don't know famine or nakedness. You probably are grateful for that. And I don't know danger of the sword. Well, the Apostle Paul, these words are not just words. I believe that as the Apostle Paul is writing these words and pinning them onto this parchment, there are memories that begin to flood his mind, hardship and trouble. For you see, Paul was imprisoned many times. He also was shipwrecked uh, on the Mediterranean Sea with a terrible typhoon, spent a night on the ocean and a day in the water before he got to the, to the island. He knew persecution. And I think as he penned the word persecution, he took him back to Lystra where he was stoned and left for dead before he was recovered and uh, uh, escorted to a place of care and then uh, able to escape the city in the dark of night. And in famine, 
He speaks of, and if you need to go, look, go to 2 Corinthians. Write this on the back of your bulletin. 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28. There Paul will list for you all of the difficulties, the dangers, and the hardships, the famine, and the nakedness. But I think about the nakedness. I think about not only the moments when he was cold and did not have enough clothes, but also when his clothes were ripped off of his back. And it says there in 2 Corinthians, he received 40 lashes minus one. He received 39 lashes, not just once, not just twice, but five times. And friends, if you're going to do the math for Paul, that would be 195 scars on his back for Jesus Christ. Paul received that maximum sentence, the 40 lashes minus one. And he is reflecting about the dangers and the, the, the persecution, the famine, and the hardship, and the trouble but what I love about the Apostle Paul is if you read other letters in the scriptures, he speaks of it as being a privilege to suffer with Jesus Christ. Not something that has made him bitter, not something that has made him question his faith, not something that has made him decide that, you know what, this is just too hard, I'm quitting the ministry. It invigorated him. It made him feel more devoted. It strengthened his resolve to follow God even more. He would say, amen to the words of the Apostle James who would write in James 1, 2 through 4, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face various trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. In 1987, a group of engineers and entrepreneurs and scientists, biologists, agricultural specialists created for us an artificial ecosystem in Oracle, Arizona. It was about three acres in size, the largest experiment of any kind like it. They sought to create the ideal ecosystem for vegetation and plants to survive and to grow and to see what would happen. They had a climate control. They had purified air and water, clean water, and then nutrient-rich soil. They brought in natural light from above, filtered in to this beautiful ecosystem, all within itself. No struggle, just perfect. And what they discovered was the trees, they would grow to be about 10 feet tall, and then they would simply, by the weight of themselves, simply topple over. The root systems were not strong enough to hold them up. And they realized in this biosphere, it lacked something very important. It lacked adversity. It lacked struggle. It lacked the things that we experience here being a part of this broken world. And so the roots were not driven down deeply through the drought times. The roots were not driven down deeply by the strong winds that sought to push the trees over. And they discovered that without the adversity, the trees and the vegetation could not do as well as with it. Now, the problem we face today, I think, in our country and in our culture, is we try to create for ourselves emotional and relational and even spiritual biospheres. We try to avoid conflict. We try to limit risk. We try to minimize discomfort. We try to sidestep anything that would be a sacrifice. And in so doing, our faith becomes weak our faith begins to atrophy because there is no resistance. 
Now, I'm very excited about Jacob Joyner joining our staff. And one of the things, if you've been around Jacob, you'll realize, and I hope you had that chance to grab his arm at the reception today, or if not, on the way out of church, grab this guy's bicep. Let me tell you what, this guy's been working out for years, and he will be an inspiration to me and an inspiration to you and many on our staff. But he will tell you that you have to do resistance training with weights in order to build muscles like that. And the same is true about your faith. Without resistance training, without adversity, you cannot become as deeply in love with Jesus Christ and to mature into the person God wants you to be because God uses adversity and challenges to sanctify our lives and to make us into the people that he desires for us to be. And couples will tell you this. Couples that have been married for long periods of time will tell you that there have been seasons of difficulty. There have been conflicts from within. There have been things from without, like the death of a child or maybe even uh, some other transitions that have happened in life that have put stress on the marriage. But in so doing, it has driven that love deeper and has caused them to have a deeper love for one another. I looked up the word separate and I was looking in my Greek lexicon. And I know, I don't know if it's been a long time since the quoting of Greek from the pulpit. I like to do this on occasion and word studies is one thing I do to enhance my preaching. And chorise is the word. It's nothing spectacular except the fact that it led me to a word. It means to separate, to divide. Nothing can separate or divide us from God's love. But then I found this word to put us under. And I thought about that for a minute. Where have I heard put us under? Those whom God has joined together, let no man put us under. Let no person put us under. Let no man divide what God has brought together. It reminded me of the covenant of marriage. It reminded me of the importance of marriage that we have. And it took me back to when Jesus was with the disciples. And I've shared this illustration before that really when he was sharing the Passover meal, he framed it in a way when he says, I'm going away for a while and I'll be back to claim you for myself. Do you remember those words from John 14? And it was as if this engagement was happening to the disciples for a marriage to come, the bridegroom and the bride in the day when Christ returns. This beautiful illustration of the cup being lifted up and offered where Jesus says, my blood poured out for you. I am committed to this relationship. I am committed to you. And in so doing, when you receive the cup, when you take the cup today by take, receiving communion, you are saying, I am committed also to you, Lord Jesus. I am committed to you and nothing can separate us from the love that we have for each other. Now, Paul is going to expand on this illustration. He is, you know, because this verse kind of just jumps off the page. It's kind of strange. He's talking so beautifully about nothing can separate us from the love of God. And then he throws in this quotation. It says, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. What is he talking about? He's actually dropped in a psalm from the past, a psalm of lament, it's Psalm 44. If you want to write that down, I encourage you to read the entire psalm, maybe this afternoon in your study and your to sabbatical resting time with the Lord today. This idea of just what was happening in Psalm 44. The people were reflecting and lamenting about the fact that they had a history with God. 
They had seen and then their stories had heard of the God who went before them and pushed, out of their, pushed their enemies out of the way and brought them into the promised land. And they were delivered from Egypt and the slavery and they were brought to this beautiful land and they were praising God and they were boasting about God's goodness. But then in the, there's a switch in Psalm 44 where all of a sudden it says, but now our enemies are destroying us. But now our enemies are having wreaking havoc on us. And it's this crying out, this plea for God. That's the context of Psalm 44 that Paul was referring to. Because struggle and hardship, friends, goes even back into the Old Testament. Struggle and hardship is not a new thing just in your life. It has gone back into all of humanity and the problem we have with sin and with the problem we have with the difficulties of this world. They were in a valley of despair. Paul lifts out Psalm 44 and says, can even that, that sense of what? Sounds terrible. Being slaughtered like sheep, can that even keep us from the love of God? What's the answer? No. Thank you, Pat, for just saying no, and I just uh, got the word right from her mouth, right? No, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But friends, it gets even better than that. What does he say in verse 37? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. Here's another Greek word for you. The interesting thing is it's the Greek word hupokoneo, and hupokoneo means super conqueror. We are more than conquerors. We are super conquerors through God and Jesus Christ. So I don't know about you, but I want to have a mindset to be thinking about God, help me to be the super conqueror that you have called me to be through Jesus Christ. Now, I only know one super conquering in sports that I came across that I want to share with you. It's kind of an amazing story back in 1960, October 7th, when the Georgia Tech team defeated the Cumberland College in a football game at a score of 222 to nothing. Friends, Cumberland College had negative 28 yards for the whole game. Now, that's a whooping. Now that is an incredible beatdown. That is a super conquering game. And those were the days even when they would run up the score on their opponents to try to get a place in the playoffs to, to try to be the champion of the nation. But I want to ask you this question. When was the last time that you said, and in prayer to God, Lord, I've seen you bring a super conquering to this problem that I have? When was the last time that you said, I became a super conqueror over this habit that's been a problem for years? When's that last time when you had an estranged relationship and you reached down and you took the courage to, to, to tell the person you forgave them and you needed to for, ask for their forgiveness and, and the super conquering uh, power of Christ came through that moment? God has called us to be super conquerors through Jesus Christ. Paul's going to head the, towards the finish line, make that last curve in the track, and he's again going to say, really, is there anything? Is there really anything that can separate us from the love of Christ? What about death or life or angels or demons? What about the present? What about the future? What about the powers? What about the height? What about the depth? What about anything else? Is there anything that's created that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? And again, the answer is no. 
Well, as you know, the last uh, several weeks as I was going through that transition with my mom as we released her on June 23rd to go be with the Lord, I, I wanted to share with you that we were in Colorado and I got a call from the hospice nurse and she said, you know, I, your mom's vital signs are beginning to get a little uh, change and we want to just let you know that maybe you ought to start thinking about coming back. And so we shortened our time in Colorado. And when I got to see my mom on Friday, she was hardly responsive at all. I mean, just a very slight head nod that I knew that she was hearing what I was saying and acknowledging that. But then on Saturday and Sunday, she bounced back and I would say had some incredible rally days. And she was talking and conversing and, and uh, she seemed to be back to where I left her before we'd gone on the trip. And then on Monday, we went right back down to no response again at all. It was that day that the hospice nurse came to me and then also a hospice care uh, social worker and said, I think you maybe need to begin to call your brothers and have them say their goodbyes. So that's kind of what was going on emotionally on that Monday. I got my brothers on the phone. They were able to say their goodbyes to mom. I said my goodbyes to mom. I prayed over mom. I read scripture to mom. But she was very much not responding Tuesday and Wednesday, she would have some rally days again before she would pass on Thursday. But let me share with you what happened to me on that Monday. I got into a pity party. I hit an emotional exhaustion low point. And I reflected in my journal something I want to share with you because my granddaughter and my daughter were here for Father's Day and were staying through that Monday morning. And I wrote these words in my journal. I want to just tell everybody here, you need to journal significant moments and capture the reflections that God gives you. But this is the journal entry from June 20th, 2022. Ashanti saves the day. After being with mom and having said goodbyes and I love yous with my brothers on the phone, I was in a distracted and emotionally difficult place. Gina and I ate dinner almost in silence is I was disappointed in myself. Will I go back to church from sabbatical any different than when I left, or will I be back to my old patterns? Ashanti then, our waitress, struck up a conversation with us. And by the end of our dinner, we were laughing and reflecting about her life and things that were going on. And as I began to focus my attention on her and learned about her life and joked with her and blessed her with a generous tip of $20, I felt my spirit lifted, lifted out of my pity party because I was thinking now of someone else and the love of Christ in her life. I was also blessed with a conversation with Denise, the hospice social worker, who encouraged me through her words. If you were meant to be there when your mother passes, you will. If you're not meant to be there, you won't. I need to let go of the reflection, excuse me, I need to let go of the expectation of being with mom. I don't want her to die alone, but I can't control that. And so God, I entrust her to you. So today, I missed out on distraction because I was distraction, distracted. I missed out on meaningful conversation with Rebecca and Abigail and with Gina. Lord, forgive me. Help me to be more present and to be available and to live fully in the moment. Well, as I shared in the memorial eulogy, I, Gina and I were able to be with mom when she passed. 
But I just want to bring this reflection to this message. Ashanti, I believe, was a gift from God who took my eyes off of my pity and my sorrow and my difficulty and my hard day and reopened my eyes that God is present in all things. That even in that low moment on that Monday when I felt like I was preparing to say goodbye, God reminded me that he loved me and he loved me through a waitress in a restaurant who had a conversation with us. That's the kind of love I wanna talk about with you today. God doing beautiful things. And sometimes, maybe in the messages ahead, I'll share other reflections from my journal. Let me just say that the day mom died, I notated seven things that I saw God do to prepare me and to prepare her and our family for her departure. Let me close with this. During the German Blitzkrieg in World War II, Germany dropped 100 tons of explosives on 16 British cities Millions of homes were destroyed and 40,000 lives were lost. Hitler sought to demoralize the, the Brits and then invade them. But you know what's interesting? Fascinating research that followed in years later, when asked of the people of Britain, what were some of the happiest and most meaningful days of your life? 60% of the people said it was during the Blitzkrieg bombings. Because it was during those hard and difficult days that we had meaningful conversations with people in bomb shelters. We cared deeply about our family members and we took care of things that were needed to be taken care of and we let go of the petty things. It brought life into focus. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, or sword. Friends, they test our faith. And if you wanna have a testimony, you have to have a test. And if you want to have a comeback, you have to first have a setback. So let me just say to each of you in this room, as now I'm back and we're guiding through this time of discernment in the United Methodist Church, we're hearing words about discernment, we're hearing words about disaffiliation and schism. And let me just say this to everyone in the room. We will get through this time we will do it with prayer, and we will do it with the reading and study of Scripture and respectful dialogue with one another. And we will learn, and we will grow, and we will stretch, and we will grow in our love for one another. Why? Because nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. A church schism cannot separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It cannot separate us from friends. And let me tell you, some of you have conversations that are hard with people and you kind of feel that awkwardness. I am choosing to lean into those relationships and to love every person, even if they disagree with my views. And I challenge you to do the same. Why? Because nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love will be with us. God's love will be with all of us. As we go through this, nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.
I'd like to leave you with these words of encouragement. God loves you and wants to be in a relationship with you. Together, we can change the world. Please contact me at marvinumc.com or join us in person for worship. May God bless you.